Welcome to the Relentless Podcast with your co-hosts Kevin and Melissa, where we discuss all things Christian living in a crazy culture. What is going on, Relentless, and everyone else joining in? I'm pretty excited to actually do a little podcast here. Pastor Tara encouraged me. She's like, you missed last week's podcast. It's like, I know, I know. Oh, man. Sometimes the weather gets so nice and things get going and you forget to plug back into your social media devices and your digital, you know, clocks and outside of looking at memes. And so I was really encouraged this morning. I appreciate you, Pastor Tara, my wife, my beautiful bride, giving me that little push to record another episode this week. So I'm just going to go solo. And in fact, I'm walking outside, enjoying this beautiful weather. If you haven't gotten outside, I want to encourage you to step outside. Um, really, you shouldn't be just hanging in the house. I really hope that you guys are getting outside and not just runs for toilet paper. But about toilet paper, have you heard about those murder hornets? <laughs> no, it's hilarious. I was actually watching a video clip this morning that was from the Simpsons episode, right? Okay, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm not endorsing Watch Simpsons. In fact, when I grew up, my dad used to have this passion that was we don't watch the simpsons in this house because bart simpson is so disrespectful to his dad and and the family unit is just so disjo- uh, disjointed and whatever and so we're like we don't watch the simpsons period i was like oh, okay i mean all my friends watch the simpsons but okay <laughs> but then the next thing is my dad like finally realizes that the simpsons was funny like to him um, and like literally, I remember him putting in VHS tapes into the VHS machine that he would have uh, that plays your videos. Okay, if you don't know what a VHS tape is, it is what people used to watch movies on. Okay, back in the day, if it wasn't a DVD, it wasn't you know Blu-ray, it wasn't you know I downloaded the video. It was a VHS tape, like a giant cassette tape. And if you don't know what cassette tape is. I digress. We're moving on. But with that, we had the opportunity to, uh, my dad would take the VHS tape, and because he's like a tech guy, he would wire it into the TV so he could actually record straight off of the TV. <laughs> and so he would record episodes of The Simpsons, and I would have like these six-hour long tapes of The Simpsons that we could watch at any time. But in this episode of The Simpsons, of course, again, this is not endorsed by The Simpsons, we would be able to, uh, in this video I was watching this morning, the Chinese virus, as it, you know, of course, we're calling it COVID-19, but there was an episode because people say that The Simpsons regularly predict the future, right? And in this episode, The Simpsons uh, they are getting a shipment from China, okay? And there's some people boxing it up in China, and then they cough into the box, and it's like green cloud going to the box, right? And then it shows up at, at uh, Homer's house. He opens it up, and the virus uh, gets into his face, and then the virus starts taking over the town, right? And it's pretty pretty humorous enough as it is, you know, Chinese virus, okay, la, la. That, if, that was, if that was it, all it was, be funny. No, it goes on more from there. The next part was then they're all like, everyone's getting sick, and now people are rioting in the streets about this virus that's spreading person to person. 
yelling at the doctors saying, we need a virus, we need an antivirus, we need a vaccine, we need medicine. And the doctor's like, oh, there is no medicine for it. You just need to have some good bed rest. And then someone freaks out and says, maybe that box van has the, has the antivirus. And they tip over this box van. And guess what's in the box van? Wooden crates that break open of killer bees. <laughs> I'm not, I, I can't make this stuff up, but apparently Simpsons knows the narrative of our planet and they're, they're ousting everybody from years before it happens. But what is so funny about that is people without mufflers go driving by. It's the benefit of getting outside. I hope you're on a walk with me. It'll feel like we're walking together. Pretty soon I'll be away from where there's cars driving around all the time. But with this concept, the Simpsons predicted the future, and people are getting a laugh about it, and people are talking a whole lot more about it. And, uh, you know, it, it's just funny. They do that with a bunch of other stuff. But in this awesome concept of seeing the future, laughing about it, I've actually been really encouraged about what has been happening, what God's been doing in my life over the past couple months. And with that, I've been seeing that um, a lot of things are starting to fall into place. Uh, let me explain this a little bit. Hey there. And with this, all the stuff that's been falling into place, uh, if you don't know, about six months ago, um, maybe four months ago, yeah, I think it's about four months ago, I started, um, I started a fast. And, and it's not that I haven't fasted before, but I really, um, underneath the guidance and supervision of Dr. Fred Vichy, who um, is an amazing 90-year-old uh, nutritionalist, doctor, nutrition doctor, doctor of nutrition, uh, was guiding me how to effectively, truly fast. And he's not just a nutritional doctor. He, he's spirit-filled, loves the Lord, um, has gone through some of his own fasts as well, and with that, he expressed how in his fast, uh, multiple 40-day fasts within his lifetime, one of which he had a very real encounter um, revelation, uh, an awakening, if you will, of, of Jesus and, and Christ crucified and just, just really a revelation of him, who he is. And he said, change his life forever. And so with that, I, uh, I, I wanted to fast wisely because I mean, I've done a lot of fasts in my life. And if you know this, this podcast is about fasting and prophecy. So there you go. Fasting and prophecy, starting off with the Simpsons and moving on to the next step while getting outside and hearing the beautiful birds and the trees. With that, I started fasting, uh, early January. And in the past, when I've done fast, I've done extended fast, 10-day, 4-day, 12-day, 30-day, 40-day fast, uh, even, which I think I made it to, I think I made it to like 38-day fast. And when I broke that fast, I broke it with Indian food um, on a date with Tara. Um, heads up, don't break a fast with Indian food. Um, it, it's just not going to go well. You're going to feel like you're dying. You're going to actually actually feel like you and you actually might die <laughs> and that's not over exaggeration after talking with dr fred found out that literally i could have died by consuming that tomatoey rich meaty goodness food with rice and naan and all that stuff and in fact if you like indian food i found an awesome vegan dish 
over at Clay Pit. It's called Thorin, you know, Oakenshield uh, Thorin. It's really good. And you got to get it with the, not the non-bread, but with the uh, other bread after the vegan bread. Anyway, it's delicious. But with that said, I broke the fast with that and I was end up writhing all night long. I told her, I was like, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I need to go to the hospital. Um, she's like, you're fine. You just shouldn't have eaten Indian food when breaking the fast. And I was like, well, I did. Now I need to go to the hospital. She's like, you'll be okay. It's just heartburn. No, after talking with Dr. Fred, my wife even came back and was like, I'm really sorry. Uh, you, you, you may have been dying, but thank the Lord that he's merciful to you and merciful to her and didn't let me die. Uh, it was awful. But um, so this last time, I really felt pulled in to do a fast and be really serious about this time. Now, in the past, like I said, when I have fasted and probably the only saving grace outside of the mercy of Jesus Christ <laughs> that upheld me during that coming down of that fast time with the Indian food is when you fast, when you're fasting, you need to, uh, there's different levels of fasting. There's different ways to fast. You can do a juice fast. You could say, I'm going to fast from sugar. I'm going to fast from TV. And I believe that those all have a level of benefit to them for sure. Especially when it comes to breaking addictions. The word of God says, this is the fast I've called you to, to break the chains of bondage. So definitely, if you are addicted to your phone, if you're addicted to TV, if you're addicted to YouTube or TikTok, like I'd encourage you, if the Lord leads you, break those chains of bondage and go on a fast. Really, even science starts to show us and model to us that when we do something for 28 days, it really creates a new habit. Now, the challenge is when we fast, we're actually just abstaining from, and, and then when we go back to it, we haven't replaced that thing with a habit. You see, no one just stops doing bad things, all right? You have to replace your bad habits with healthy habits. And so, um, but with this said, basically, uh, in the past, when I would fast, I never really did the fast the way the Lord was leading me to. Yes, I would when I did a juice fast. Yes, I would when I would do um, any other kind of like, uh, you know, social media fast, I would do well, I wouldn't cheat. But when it came to fasting food, and I do a food fast, I'd be like, I want the I want to do the fast like Jesus did, like in the desert, like, like water, that's it, you know, like Jesus didn't even have water in the desert, but like, I'm going to do water, because uh, I need to live, okay. <laughs> and and I would, sometimes I would do that for, you know, a, a meal, two meals, and that'd be fine. But when I would do these longer 10, 20, 30 day fasts, I would always end up, and I think almost every time, except for maybe once, have coffee. I would have coffee in that. Well, why, why can you, how can you have coffee? Well, when you pour hot water through coffee grounds, it doesn't increase its caloric value. It's still zero calories. So I would consider, well, if it's zero calories, then it still counts as fasting. And I, so I'd have lemon water. I might have herbal tea. I might have black coffee. I might have um, diet sodas or diet beverages or things like that, LaCroix, you know, st stuff that stimulates my taste buds and, and helps me kind of keep going. So I never really had what happened to me ever take place in my life during fasting that happened to me this last time that I fasted. 
and, and I really believe it was because one, the lead, the leading of the Lord, uh, pulling me into it Two, the mentorship that the Lord gave me through a leader, someone who was older than me, much older than me in this scenario, uh, Dr. Fred Bishy, who's 90 years old, I'm 35. So he's got a bit of a, bit of a jump on me on the gun there. And he helped me learn how to do this right. He's like, you can't even, don't even lift your finger when you're making a Nutella sandwich for your kid and you get a little bit of Nutella on your finger. Like, 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 don't even do that. You know, I was like, really? And so he taught me, he coached me and he mentored me through this process. And I believe that as a result of the discipline and the self-control that I had to walk in for what ended up being 37 days of a water only fast, I had an amazing, massive awakening, uh, spiritual breakthrough that I, I've never experienced in my life before. On, on the, uh, throughout the fast, a lot of things happened, but I'll kind of get to the end of the fast here. You know, on day 37, I believe it was, the last day of the fast, I broke it, I believe, on day 38. Um, and, and I really like in my flesh, in my mind, I was like, Lord, I'm going to fast for 40 days. I really, you know, I'm going to make it. And there was days where I wanted to quit and pastor Tara, my wife, she, she encouraged me like, you know what, why don't you go pray for a little bit and then come back. And I come back. All right. I prayed. I feel like the Lord told me to quit. She's like, no, keep going. (laughs) You know? And so I appreciated her. And that's the one thing I'd always encourage you is be in partnership with, you know, if you're fasting and you have a spouse be in partnership. That doesn't mean that they have to fast, but as long as they're in unity with you is the big deal, right? And because oftentimes our emotions can overload our um, <clears throat> inhibitions. Is that the right word? Maybe. But we're, basically we start making decisions based off of emotions and how we feel more than what is logic and reason and what we committed to. It's kind of like when we decide to work out, well, you know, it's raining out today, so I don't want to go for a run. I'm pretty sure when you decided to go running every day, you didn't say if it's raining, unless you did. If you did, then that's great. Like keep to those, keep to those goals, keep those, uh, you know, personal goals that you set for yourself. Awesome. Not judging nobody. All right. I'm, I'm walking today and feeling bad about not getting my, uh, getting my, my other runs in. So anyway, with that, I committed to it. I stayed only water on this fast, like clean water filtered water, no sparkling water. I I didn't even do LaCroix, okay? No bubbly water, no nothing. And on day 37 of this fast, I felt in the morning like today was the day I was supposed to be done with the fast. And I was like, okay, man, um, Lord, I'm almost there. I'm almost at 40 days. I really, I really think I can do this. And and I was like, Lord, but Lord, if you're leading me, I'm just gonna tell you right now, day 37 of the fast for me, there was such radical clarity, such radical um, communication, and 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 you know that wasn't even verbal. It was just a knowing and a sensing and a feeling, and a and like everything that I couldn't look, I couldn't read the Word of God without crying. I couldn't listen to music, uh, especially those old hymns and worship songs, without literally just crying. Like it, it, it was amazing, and with that. On day 37, I felt the Lord say, it's time. Your, 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 your fast is complete. And I was like, okay, God, 
I really have been here before. I told Tara that I thought that it was, but she helped me push through some of what I was thinking. So I'm just not sure if I'm just thinking this because I don't want to go another three days or what. So moving forward, I was like, Lord, please give me some confirmation. This is key. I need, I need everyone listening to, to not tune out, but tune back in here. This is key. When the Lord leads you to do something, when the Lord guides you to do something, you have to biblically surrender and submit yourself in what you believe you're hearing from God underneath the authority of those you've given influence on, uh, allowed to have influence on your life for God's purpose. I don't mean your bad friends and ugly friends and all that stuff. I mean the people that you have submitted underneath their authority. I'm talking about parents, talking about pastors, I'm talking about leaders and mentors that you have said, Lord, I, I'm, I'm trusting these people to lead me to the next level because the Holy Spirit will speak to them. I'm going to give you an example. Moses, everyone say Moses, Moses, right? Moses, who everyone who has ever gone to church for any period of time knows about the burning bush experience. When Moses fled Egypt because he killed an Israelite uh, and was being accused and he killed an, not sorry, not killed an Israelite, killed an Egyptian, forgive me, killed an Egyptian for harassing his Israelite brothers, um, he then, <coughs> excuse me, then someone called him out, oh, you're a murderer, blah, blah, blah. And he said, uh, no, whatever. And he freaked out and he ran and he disappeared for a long time in the desert before he wandered in the desert with all of Israel. And so he was hiding out there, walking his sheep, and he saw a bush on fire. What I love about this is it wasn't anything unusual to him. The only reason why he even went over to look at this bush on fire was because he said it was a bush that was burning and not consumed. That means the bush was not turning into twigs and sticks. It was a bush, full, lush, green, beautiful, blossoming bush that was on fire, but was not being burnt. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Like how amazing. When we're called to be on fire for God, that doesn't mean he wants to consume our fuel. He wants to add beauty and authority and power to the beauty uh, beauty that we are. He doesn't want us to burn out. When we're running for God, we're not designed to burn out. We're designed to be burning ones, yet not consumed. So with that, he looks at this bush, he sees it on fire, he goes over to it, and there it is speaking to him. The, The voice of the Lord came from this beautiful display of a living, vibrant, blossom filled, green, beautiful bush, not twigs, not sticks. And it was covered in fire. And the Lord spoke to Moses through this bush. Anybody that's been at church for any period of time, and they maybe they've gone to a camp, a youth camp or church camp, and like, Lord, I'll believe you, if, or, or I'll take that next step, or I'll, I'll, I'll stop being friends with these friends that are really pulling me down. Like, but Lord, I need, I need to have like a burning bush experience. You know, like that's kind of the, the colloquial, uh, colloquial uh, term that I used growing up a lot with my friends and heard other people using it was like, oh man, you got you to gotta have that burning bush experience like when God really speaks to you. And, but here, Moses has what everyone looks to as the experience, right? God himself speaking to us through a burning bush. 
And with that, afterwards, he gets up from there, having received direction from God, telling him, I'm going to use you to deliver my people from Israel from the hand of the Pharaoh, and you will deliver my people, and you will bring them into the promised land. Now, he hears the word of God, walks away from this spectacular that everyone will talk about for all generations to come. He leaves that, and then we all forget the next step. He goes to his father-in-law, Jethro, his wife's dad, whom whom he married out in the wilderness there, and he has submitted himself underneath his authority, and he goes to him and says, this is what I believe I'm supposed to do, and asks for his blessing, asks for his insight, asks for his basically permission to do what God just revealed to him. Now, many of us in this time, we fast forward. We're like, okay, God told me to do something. I'm going to go do it. Okay. Some of that stuff is is small, simple stuff, but really, and that's okay. Like God doesn't have to tell you to brush your teeth verified by two pastors and a deacon. Okay. (laughs) Like that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is that we have to, when it comes to these life-changing, life-altering decisions, if we believe that God says, do this, and it's going to change the path of our life, it's not only going to impact our life, but the lives of others. We need to humble ourselves, not act haughty and proud and say, okay, pastor so-and-so, Youth leader, this. Mom, dad, this. I feel like God is telling me this. And I trust that God knows that I am yielded underneath your leadership in my life. That I honor and respect you. And I trust that if God used a bush that was burning to speak to me, that he just maybe would give a hint of confirmation through someone that I look to for leadership and advice in my life. And oftentimes, if we're hearing from God clearly, great. We'll go talk to him, and you'll be encouraged. And you'll be able to move forward. And you'll do great. The hard part is when we communicate these things, and then those we trust say, you know, I really don't think you're hearing from God. I think that might have been emotional. (sighs) Well, you know what? You know what, Dad? <laughs> uh, you know what, Mom? You know what, Pastor Billy Bob? Like I, I, you know, I've trusted you my entire life, leading me into uh, all righteousness and relationship with God. But today, uh, you're wrong. So I guess I got to move forward. I don't know what you sinned, but you know, it really is arrogant in some ways. And and don't get me wrong, leadership and our parents are not perfect, but God can even use a donkey. Okay to speak the voice of God. So whoever you're submitted to underneath their rulership and authority, God can and will use them to encourage you, okay? Moving forward, hearing the voice of God, hearing the voice of God. So I felt on day 37 that it was time to be done with the fast. My my fast was over. I said, Lord, I need you to encourage me I need you to confirm this for me somehow, please. 
and and within an hour dr fred called me now taken taken consideration dr fred bishy had called me a couple other times throughout the fast what was interesting was on the first day like the first day of my fast he called me and he said you know kevin i was really thinking and praying i just really felt like like you'd really benefit greatly from from doing like a, like an extended fast and I was like, Dr. Fred, that's so encouraging. Thank you for affirming to me that, that that you are truly a mentor and a leader in my life during this next step. Because I'm I'm like in day one or day two of that fast that you you just affirmed that what I heard from God is what I'm supposed to be doing. Thank you. So throughout the fast, occasionally Dr. Fred would say, you know what? Like I don't know. You probably could stop. You could probably be done fasting. But but if you want to keep going. You can, but like, it's, it, I'll leave it up to you. But on day 37, I got a phone call after I woke up feeling like the fast should be done. And Dr. Fred said, you know what, Kevin, I feel like, you know, maybe maybe today is the day you kind of stop. Maybe today's the last day. And I said, okay, you know what, I think you're right, Dr. Fred. Will you help me on the, taking the next steps? Tomorrow, I will break the fast. In fact, it was a Wednesday. And I said that I was going to break, break the fast the next day, but I was actually... In my mind, I said, I need to have communion with my kids, with my with, with all of my kids, not just my my children, but my youth, all my students. And interestingly enough, we had that service where we broke bread in a way that people have never experienced before. Explained what the what the matzah meant, and all that other stuff, and it really impacted their lives in a big way. A lot of kids were really moved by the Spirit of God. It also marked a really sweet next couple of services of youth group moving forward, talking about the dry bones coming back to life. I had some artwork done by a friend who wrote, uh, did up this artwork that literally is almost exactly the same picture that the new song that came out a couple weeks ago, a month ago, of dry bones right? From, what is that, Bethel or Hillsong, something, you know, uh, Dry Bones Come Alive, Come Alive. It's crazy. I sent the artwork back to her when they released that album artwork. I'm like, this is literally the picture you drew. When you are connected with God, when you are in communion with God, when you have walked in self-discipline and self-control, and you removed that veil of of appeasing yourself, making yourself feel better by sin, distractions, uh, memes, entertainment, all this stuff, it's hard to really truly hear and feel what God is saying. But in this time, God was setting us up for what was going to be taking place even now today. And it's been very humbling for me, honestly, and and hard for me to think through and process through and communicate with, with you listening, whoever's listening, that even though I feel like in some regards over the past month, two months, since we can't gather together as a church, we can't uh, do things the way we used to do things and all that, that, that it's so hard to say it without sounding arrogant. So just if you think I'm arrogant, good, go for it. I, I, I don't really care, but I really feel like in all of this, I've truly had my finger on the heartbeat of God though I didn't know exactly how it was going to pan out, I know that it's exactly what God has designed for this time. 
did I say God designed COVID? No, I didn't say that. Did I say that God designed the pandemic and all the chaos? No, I didn't say that. I said in that, God's design is greater, and he prepared the hearts of your leaders, of your pastors. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader to be ready for a season like this without knowing all the details. And it's okay to trust God, make a plan, and then when details arise, adjust that plan. Just like Moses going out into the wilderness. He went out into the wilderness, right, to do his thing, and things changed. They ended up walking around the wilderness for another 40 years. Plans change. His plan was to take them on a, I think it was like a four or, or six day, could be a little bit longer, journey through from where it would have taken them from the Red Sea to the promised land. Super short. Awesome. We're going to make it happen. And it turned into 40 years. He never got to go in, but he adapted. He listened to the word of God. He changed with the season as new information arose and he humbled himself Assuming that I don't know everything, <laughs> I wish, uh, in fact, uh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resolve to not know everything because God, you are, you are seated on the throne. And so I'll trust you and you're leading and guiding every day. And so when I was fasting on day 37 of this fast, I had a massive, massive revelation where I literally couldn't go minutes without weeping, sobbing, heaving at the just understanding of Jesus Christ, him crucified for us, what he paid for through his sacrifice, hanging there on the cross. It, it, all of a sudden, even though I've been a Christian and I'm a pastor for crying out loud, <laughs> whatever that means, it became so much more real to me than I ever had even began to comprehend. And he gave me downloads, not in that moment, but progressively, of who he is, of what he's doing. I got inspired at that time. The Lord uh, just kind of led me saying, like, we really need to cancel the Honduras missions trip. I don't know why. This, is, this, this was before China's virus started coming around, okay? I, I felt, and this was in the middle of the fast, like, we have to cancel the, the Honduras mission trip. And, and, and I don't know why. I want to have other reasons and excuses of why I need to do it because it's really hard at that time for me to say, I just have a check in my spirit and that's good enough. And get, and I had the trust and the, and, and the buy-in from leadership. So I brought that check to them. They gave the thumbs up. It's, it's hard sometimes to really trust that voice in your heart so much that you're, that you're willing to say, I don't have a reason other than this is what I feel now. Submit that to your governing rulership, your, your, the authorities over your life, your pastors, your parents, etc. <clears throat> you don't have to submit it to 10,000 people. Just submit to the ones that matter, right? The most important ones. Not just, I didn't say the ones that will give you the answer you want. I said submit it to the ones that will, that you're under authority, okay? We all guilty of that. I'm going to go down that road. I'll go tell this person because they typically tend to walk in the ministry of grace and, and, uh, and, and they'll probably understand. No. Talk with people that will tell you no, too. They got it. And so I said, okay, man, I'm going to stop the mission trip. And I started thinking, I want to do a missions Everett. I really want to impact the city of Everett this year. I've been wanting to for years. I really feel like the Lord is leading us to really impact our city, to transform 
our city and and just around the city of Everett, around our around our church building. Like what if we did a two mile radius or a one mile radius and just impacted that city as best we can and did a lot of ministry from the parking lot. Like we, we did we in our brand new parking lot we got, we could set up some outside worship out there. We could um, have people come in. Maybe we could feed them. We could pray for them. We could pray all night. We could, if we could gather together and, and we keep it outside the doors of the church. How interesting. This was the thoughts that the Lord was downloading into my heart and mind prior to us not being able to have church inside the door of sunrise. Not being able to gather together. You see, God speaks to us so subtly, but because we get in the way and think we understand how it's going to work, and we have to understand the how so badly, instead of just simply saying, okay, we're going to walk, we're going to do, we'll plan, and if the plans change, that's okay. We just got to get out of the way sometimes, and we got to listen to that still, small voice, and, and it's okay to make a plan. That's great. It's okay to administrate, but what's not okay is to say that what I'm administrating is wiser and better than what I think God might administrate later on. And when he brings about the clarity of what's going on, you argue with them. So now with that said, we're going to be gathering together, Sunrise as a family, um, not to break the rules of our of our ministering leaders, but we're also, but we're going to be gathering in a type of drive-through gathering on Wednesday nights. Hey there, how's it going? Beautiful outside. <laughs> Benefit of walking outside, you can smile at people, and it's not Costco, so they don't have to wear a mask. I love it. So, but with that, the benefit is now God was preparing my heart to spend even our Wednesday night youth group outside, in the parking lot, worshiping, doing different things. And right now, Pastor John has communicated moving forward as a result of COVID and the laws that we have now about gathering what we can do and cannot do, that through the entire summer, we'll be having Wednesday night gatherings in the new parking lot, possibly with some live worship if possible, possibly with, uh, you know, drive through prayer groups and and different things like that, but it's definitely going to be prayer-focused, revival-focused, ready, signs up on the streets, pointing to Walmart, pointing to the streets, telling everybody, I'm on my way, right? You know, tell everyone I'm on my way. Uh, But all pointing, our community, our family, yes, the church, and we'll be the ministers for sure, but calling in our community to receive from the Lord to hear from the Lord, to be blessed, to get, receive prayer in this in these uncertain times, as it's called. I believe that God speaks to our leaders. I believe that God speaks to you. I believe that God is empowering us to be the leaders in this great awakening. I believe that in this time, there has been a lot of fasting and prayer that has gone into it. I'm not just saying that of myself. There has been a move of prayer. There has been a massive move of fasting and prayer over the past probably six months. A big move all across our our city, our people, the churches, and now we're going to be having a massive prayer meeting every week, gathering together in our cars, 
keeping social distancing laws so we can keep it upright. But guess what? The Holy Spirit can move. He can fall. He can blow through. It doesn't matter if someone's in their car or not. Someone was saying we'll have a, uh, some other church was doing like a drive-through fire tunnel. Okay, I don't know if you know what a fire tunnel is, but basically in, in uh, more, more of the Pentecostal side of things, you know, um, not that it's wrong or anything, but like we really believe and know that, that God moves through uh, power and fire and authority. And sometimes people, you know, fall down in the spirit. Sometimes people start weeping and wailing. Sometimes people start laughing and and, and we call it fall down or go out or whatever. And we have catchers uh, that catch those people so they don't hurt themselves falling. And oftentimes when people genuinely fall underneath the power of the Holy Spirit, they don't really get hurt anyways. So with that, <laughs> someone's saying they're having drive through fire tunnels. I was like, all right, so uh, what do we use then? Forklifts? Like, like how do we catch cars of people <laughs> who all of a sudden go out underneath the Holy Ghost and their car starts going into the next car and, and into the, and off the, into the road? I, I kind of, I jest, you know, it was a joke. But, um, but in all reality, um, really having this drive-through ability to pray for people and the Spirit of God will move. He will flow and God's not dumb. He's not going to knock somebody out and power the Holy Ghost while their car is in drive and they got two kids in the back seat and there's a whole bunch of people, you know, uh, that are directing traffic and get run over. Like that, that God's, God's not dumb. Okay. <laughs> You've heard our God's not dead. I'm telling you, our God's not dumb. All right. Amen. Coin that phrase. That's mine. So with that, I'm excited because God is going to do something new. And I believe it's going to be such a great awakening to our nation and to the world. This virus shook the world. But I believe that those who press into prayer, press into fasting, and press into action are going to shake the world even more so. I believe with all my heart and mind and have probably most of my life and even more strongly over the past several years that this generation, my generation, the kids I'm ministering to, this generation, my children, are going to be the greatest generation. They are going to usher in not only a great awakening, if you know what a great awakening is, it's when times in history that have been marked called great awakenings where the church or the world and sinners and, and, and saved people wake up from their stupor and their slumber and become the church God called them to be. And it's marked by signs wonders, salvations, lives transformed. I'm not talking about just like a healing revival. I'm talking about people who generationally give their lives to God and remain saved their entire lives and release salvation to their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren as a result of the genuine awakening within their mind and their heart that happened by the power of God through people who prayed and now we're gathering together in prayer, in fasting, in action to see our world transformed. And I believe that we will see this become the greatest awakening. Maybe some other generation has taken the phrase, the greatest generation. That's fine. They can have it. I really don't like it because it's every. Sorry, I phone cut out there for a second, but I believe that. We truly are on the precipice of the greatest awakening in this generation 
is going to be the one to usher in not only this greatest awakening, but the great return of our king. So I encourage you, please, I encourage you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Quit wasting time on social media. Make a plan. And as the plan pans out, God will give you insight on how it will change, how it will ebb and flow, how it might look different, and be okay with that. Talk to your leaders. Trust them. Don't don't turn back on them just because you can't see them face-to-face outside of a Zoom call right now. Reach out to your pastors. Talk with your parents. Grow in your relationship with God. Allow this to be a preparation time for you for what's to come, for what's next, for what's now. I love you guys. Seek God first. If you want to pray and fast, do it. Walk in wisdom. Ask me. Ask somebody. Hey, I really feel like God wants me to fast like Jesus did. All right, I want to fast biblically. All right, reach out to me. I'll help you. I love you guys. That's all I got for this episode. Hope to see you again soon. Shalom.